welcome to the Fairview Alliance Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. Our prayer is that through this message, you'd be encouraged, uplifted, and discover more about a God who loves you deeply and faithfully. If you're interested in finding out more about our community, visit our website, fairviewalliancechurch.com, or visit our Facebook page, Fairview Alliance Church. We'd like to take a moment just to thank you, the listeners, for sharing and subscribing to our podcast. Without you, it wouldn't be possible. Now, prepare your hearts as we tune into this week's new message with our lead pastor, Mario Catalan. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I have the privilege of, as you can see, serving the young people of this community. And uh, what a message last week, by the way. I wasn't here, but I listened to it on the podcast twice this week while I was driving. And uh, if you don't, if by chance you miss a Sunday or you know somebody who's missing a Sunday, but you want to keep listening to the message, you could go on our website. We have all the messages available by Tuesday. Or if you have an iPhone, you could check out and subscribe to the podcast and uh, you can listen. What a great message. And, and this is a comfort because I might not be your, uh, I might not be your cup, of key, uh, cup of tea. Does anybody drink tea? Okay, a couple people. Uh, okay, <laughs> didn't even know that was a thing. But um, I might not be your cup of tea this morning, but we're so grateful to have a pastor who loves the Word of God, who preaches in and out every single Sunday. We're grateful for him. And uh, man, when he gets emotional when he preaches, it kind of does something to my heart. I'm like, Jesus, I need to love you more. Uh, so, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 30. We're going to read this on the screen if you don't have it. I'm going to begin the reading from verse, what did I say, 17? Let's do it. And Jesse said to David, his son, now, sorry, let me give a bit of an introduction. This is probably one of the most reputable stories of the Bible. Okay, you might not even know how to open, you might not even know how to find for Samuel. If you're like me, when I began reading the Bible, I looked for the book of David to see the story of David versus Goliath. Uh, this is that story. And if you know me as a speaker, I tend to use very obscure passages of the Bible that nobody really understands till the end of the message. And even at the end of the message, sometimes you still don't understand, but I still praise God. But we're going to read this passage. It's kind of the build-up to the battle. And we're going to read these verses. So now this is Jesse, David's dad, giving a pep talk. David is not this king. He's, he's basically a nobody uh, before the eyes of men. So we're reading this story. He's about to go into this battle. Now Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an epaph for his parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to your commander of their thousands and see if your brothers are well and bring tokens to them. Now the next verse says, now Saul, and, uh, now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went. And as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the encampment as the host was going out of the battle line shouting their war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle of the army against an army. And now David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brother, brothers and he talked with them. Behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by his name. Okay, this is not the roller coaster at Laronde. This is a person, okay? His name is Goliath. Now he came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before 
And David this time heard them. Now all the men of Israel, when they saw this man, they fled from him, and, and many were afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has up, he's, he's here to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. What a great father-in-law. Here, just kill this guy. I'll give you my daughter. It's good. <laughs> And David said to the man who stood by him, he says, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach, meaning the shame of, of Israel? And, uh, and so they said, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now we're reading these last verses. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard... Do we have the verses? Yeah, Okay. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, Eliab being David's brother. And Eliab, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down here? Uh, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumptions and the evil of your heart. Have you ever spoken to your brother like this? Guilty. Um, for you have come down to see the battle. And David, who ironically is my brother's name, um, and David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him towards another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. It's a big passage this morning. But there's particular emphasis I want to put. And it's on verse 22. David shows up at this battleground. It's really intense. It's kind of crazy. And what he does is he sees that this fight is culminating. And he runs towards the battle. He runs towards the people. And the thought for this morning is, thanks, Dad. Thanks, good man. Thank you. God bless. Uh, the, the thought that this morning I want to speak upon is verse 22. And the title of this talk, if you're like me, you need a title. You need to understand. Uh, my title this morning is Without Invitation. Without Invitation. Touch three people next to you and say, Without Invitation. We're going to remember what we preach. Without Invitation. Secretly judging if you're not doing it, but let's pray. God, thank you so much. Because you're so good, you're with us this morning, you want to speak to us through your word, and Lord, we just pray that we would set our eyes, we would set our hearts' attention towards you. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. 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 So this week in my family has been, um, man, historical, okay? I really feel like God is doing something in my family. We began watching this show called This Is Us, okay? Who's watched this show? Uh, this show has single-handedly, emotionally destabilized my family. Uh, literally, watching this show has become a hazard in our house because I, I, we're Italian. I guess we're passionate. We kind of get emotional watching this. And we've, we've watched something like 20 episodes in maybe a week and a half, okay? And one individual in our family was against watching the show, saying, this is not my type of show. I don't want to watch this. And this individual will remain unknown, my father, um, <laughs> has been the leader of the family in regards to watching this show. Like, it'll be 10, 30, 11 at night, and I'll be praying or meditating on the word of God, and my dad will like, hey, John, how you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm good. He's like, hey, do you, you want to do something together? I'm like, yeah, like, what do you want to do? He's like, oh, just, I mean, we might as well watch This Is Us, I, I guess. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, he's like, I want to go ask your mother if uh, she, like, you know, it's kind of a touchy situation when he refers to your mom as your mother. He's like, you want to ask your mother if she wants to watch it? I'm like, sure, dad. I'm like, I'll go. I'm like, mom. And we watch this show. And so, I don't know, maybe it's the newness of this that's kind of creating a shift. But 
Also, on a historical note, it's happened that this week, for the very first time, I went to the gym with my father. I asked him, I asked him about this. I went to the gym with my father, and now to be fair, I am not his cho- partner of choice, okay? He goes to the gym. I don't know if he was, I don't know if he put a gun to his head. Or I don't know what, what, the, what the context of the invitation was, but my dad has decided he's committed to go to the gym about two, three times a month or a week. I'm not sure. I forget. But he's, he goes with Angelo, okay? Angelo, who is amazing. Angelo Tazzi, he's in the front row wearing a white shirt. He's great hair. And... Um, <laughs> And they, they go to the gym together, and I kind of thought this was like, it was a joke, until I saw my dad waking up early one morning, dressed like one would dress to go to the gym, and, which is very unusual for my dad, because he wears suits to go to Canadian Tire. And so, <laughs> and so I'm like, so, I'm like so, I, so it happened that Friday he was going, and Friday for us, it's game day, it's the ruins day, I'm getting prepped, you know, I'm mentally, uh, and... Um, and so I told my dad the night before, I'm like, hey, dad, I'm going to come with you. And uh, he's like, okay. He's like, are you ready to wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning? I'm like, you better believe I'm ready to get up at 7. What time? In the morning? 7? Okay, let's go. And so he knocks on my door. Four minutes before we're supposed to leave the house, he's like, let's go. He, he puts two espressos in my veins with a needle. Boom. I'm up, and uh, I'm ready to go. Angela comes to pick us up. And I would argue with you this morning that my father is significantly smarter than I am in every single sphere of life, okay? And when I say significantly, I mean like there's a, there's like a, he has a good lead on me in just about everything, okay? And so we go to the gym, and this is the kind of mentality I go to the gym with, that my dad is all-knowing, that he knows everything, and, and so we begin to work out. My God, okay? My God. I wish you could see your pastor. Do we have the video? Okay, I'm just going to show... This is, this is just one video we're going to show. This is just one video. This is just one video. We're just going to show a small video. Can we show it? Okay, we can. Okay, we're good. Let's, let's go. You start. Look at this guy. I'm proud of you. Okay. I brought this video as proof it did happen, okay? And it, you hear Angelo in the background. Angelo is saying in the background, he's like, he's ready for the Olympics. And so that was Angelo. And uh, it's great. He's making a decision to be healthy. It's a good choice. Thank you, Angelo, and my mom, and, and, my, and thank you, Jesus. But, you know, so we're at the gym, and it's just crazy because he's doing nothing right. And by I mean nothing right, he's literally doing nothing right. And, you know, you do the weights, and the weights aren't supposed to touch when you're on the machines, okay? Now, you can imagine, I'm not a gym pro, okay? So if I'm correcting somebody at the gym, you really know you're not dealing with someone that's very gym savvy. And so he's, he's, he's doing these weights, and they're just pa, pa, and they're touching all the time. And they're making this loud noise. And I'm like, Dad, you're not supposed to do that. And he's like, no, no, trust me, this is how it's done. I'm like, Dad, there's nobody in the gym that's doing what you're doing. And so he's like, oh, really? Okay, how am I supposed to do this? I'm like, Dad, just don't make them cut, touch. Keep the tension high. And he's like, okay. And he's doing that. He's like, wow, this is much harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and so, you know, we're at the gym. He's doing this stuff. And, and automatically he feels like he could intervene in my life. And he's like, John, you're not working out properly? I'm like, what do you mean? 
you got to keep your legs straight when you're doing the leg raises. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and so we, we're at that, we're conflicting, and Angelo is, you know when two people like, argue in front of each other, and you're not supposed to be there? And, my, and Angelo's looking like, hey, guys, I'm still here. <laughs> and just welcome to the father-son moments. And like, so we're at it, and we're crazy correcting me. And my dad kind of just blurts out this question. He mumbles these words, and he's like, uh, like who, who invited you here again? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I kind of invited myself. He's like, oh, it's because Angelo's my gym partner, and you're here. And Angelo's like, John, you're hired. You could come with us every time. And, I, and there's just this crazy tension because I kind of showed up in a place I wasn't supposed to be at. And as you can see, there is proof. He did go to the gym. We're going to keep him accountable to that. Amen? Amen. But, but you know, this, this thought, this thought came to my mind that I don't know if this has ever occurred to you where you show up in a place without invitation. When you show up in a place that you have no right, you kind of shouldn't be there in the first place, and, and you end up being in that place and have a, a, a decisive influence on what happens that day. And, uh, and we kind of read this passage, right? David shows up at the gym without an invitation. Uh, David shows up at this, not as, you know, not as serious as going to the gym, but he goes, shows up at this battlefield. And all of a sudden, <laughs> gym, is the, gym is the battlefield, okay? And he shows up in this place, and Goliath is there. He sees his brothers. He sees the army of Israel. They're decisively frightened at the situation before them. And, and David kind of showed up there without having an invitation, without having a right to be there. And, and I want to go straight to my first point this morning. And, and if you feel like you've been in life without invitation, if you feel like there's been moments in your life where you have not received the invitation like everybody else's, maybe you felt marginalized, maybe you felt excluded, I think this message is for you. And I want to bring my first point, and it's this. You don't need to be invited in order to take initiative. This is my first point. You don't need to be invited in order to take initiative. Look at what David says. Now David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. Man, I think sometimes we're looking for an invitation. We're looking for a right to do the right thing. You know, it, it, sometimes it happens that there's, uh, you know, uh, there's a mess in my house, and it'll, it'll be like, hey, like, did you vacuum? I'm like, did you ask me to vacuum? <laughs> and, and, the, and the conversation will ensue, like, do I need to ask you to vacuum if you see the floor is dirty? I'm like, yeah, you do, actually. <laughs> and, and it's to say that sometimes we wait to be invited for to things that we should actually be taking the initiative to do. You see, David doesn't show up at the battle and he's like, hey, guys, this is, uh, he doesn't sit in the corner. He's like, man, I really hope they ask me if I could kind of show up. No, David literally ran. David ran to where the situation was. And, and I wrote it down like this. I said, we ought to correct, and this is so strong in my heart, and I pray that you catch this. But I, I, I felt like God was, was speaking to me through his word. And he was saying, we have to correct the way that we pray. We have to change the way that we pray. Now, if you're like me, you grew up in a Christian home, you went to church. I grew up in a time where I went to church 16 times a week, okay? Uh, there was Monday morning prayer, Wednesday evening Bible study, prayer, midnight. Uh, we did overnight sleep uh, prayer things. And we, like, we were in church a lot, okay? And I would tell you a predominant prayer would, that would be prayed. You know what it would be? God, open the door, Right? Have we ever prayed this? Raise your hand. Like, I've prayed this. God, open, open some doors. Open some doors only you can open. We put some nuances on that. 
And I felt like as I was reading this passage, I felt like God was speaking to my heart, to my life. And he was saying, John, he doesn't call me John. But, you know, I I felt this impression in my heart that we need to change our vocabulary when we pray. Because sometimes God is not asking us to walk through a door that he's opening. Sometimes God asks us to build the door that he wants us to walk through. Because, you see, opening, walking through a door that's already opened is easy. As a matter of fact, if you're mobile, if you could walk, then opening a door, then going through a door is fairly easy. But what is more challenging is when God asks us to build something that wasn't there before he asked us. And sometimes we get lazy in our prayers because we begin to pray, hey, God, open the door, open the door of my job, open, you know, open the door of my job, right? Get, uh, Lord, give me a promotion, but you're still working like you don't want a promotion, Right? God, open the door, but you're still showing up late. You're still not doing what your boss is at. Well, God, open the door. And God's like, hey, maybe you ought to learn how to start building doors because if you act like that, you're never going to walk through one. And, and David is in this situation. Th- this door was not a clear, open door. God, you see, let's, let's rewind a bit. Look what Jesse tells David. Now, Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an epaph and parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to camp your brothers. Also, take these ten ricotta sapuro cheeses to the commander of their thousand. Imagine, I said ricotta Friday, and people are like, what? What's a ricotta? I'm like, oh, ricotta? Oh, okay, ricotta. That's what it is. But Jesse asks David, he says, bring these things. Now, it's interesting to note that what God uses for David to begin to build this door of opportunity is bread and cheese. Like we think that sometimes when God calls us to do something, it's going to be ethereal. It's going to be this majestic, light shining, the, the room dims down, emphasis on you, go. No, but Jesse is literally commanding his child. He's like, Dave, go bring this bread and cheese, please, because your brother's at war. They kind of need it. And Dave's like, okay, Dad, I'm on my way. And it's interesting to note that that God uses bread and cheese as the buildup for taking down a giant. Now, you see, we find it so romantic to use the terminology, it's David versus Goliath. It's, It's this epic battle, but no one wants to bring bread and cheese to the soldiers that are already in the battle. I'm preaching this this morning. You know, we, we, God, give us this great opportunity. But Jesse, you know, Jesse, inspired by God, sends David into the battlefield by asking him to bring cheese and bread. And I think sometimes God wants to send us into big opportunities, but we're not willing to be faithful in the small things like bringing bread and cheese that actually put us in a place where we can beat a Goliath. And we got to change the way we pray. God, I don't want to open, I don't want to walk through a door. Help me build one for someone else to walk through. And that's the church, isn't it? The church is this body that, that creates, that, that builds doors for other people to walk through them. You see, David began to build and construct because of bread and cheese. And, man, I remember, I think I shared this once on a Sunday, but I remember when I was in Bible school, my first year, and I was very naive, and, uh, and people kept asking if I was saved at Bible school to become a pastor. Like, hey, are you saved? I'm like, yeah, are you baptized? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And so that was my first year, very naive. And so I assumed that we were going to get classes to preach, right, preaching classes. 
And uh, so I asked one of the teachers at the time, I'm like, hey, I'm like, uh, well, I don't see in the course curriculum any preaching classes. Is that, is that, is it just me that didn't get that? They're like, oh, you want to, oh, we can actually bring you there right now. I'm like, this is great. Okay, let's go. And so I'm following this older student, and he brings me to the bathroom, and he shows me a sponge, a rag, and detergent. He's like, this is your preaching lesson. I'm like, maybe preaching doesn't mean the same thing in Italian as it does in English. And he's like, you're going to have to learn how to serve before you can preach. And I love how sometimes in a church setting, we feel like what is under the spotlight is automatically more, intent, more important before God. But God doesn't find glory in what you do. He finds glory in the spirit by which you do the thing that he has asked you to do. And so David, I think this is why God could choose someone like David. Because David didn't need to be, David didn't need to be convinced. He didn't need to be debriefed that he was going to go fight this giant. All he needed to know was that his brothers were in need of bread and cheese. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering how many times God asks us to bring bread and cheese, but we belittle the task that God has given to us. And so we never end up going further or advancing higher because we're too fixated on the fact that bread and cheese is beneath us. You know, and I say this all the time, I love preaching, I love speaking, and, you know, sometimes I find myself at odds with my dad because he, he's always the type that said, you know, like, I never thought I was going to be a pastor. I hate speaking in public. And as a kid, I was the opposite. Like, I'm like, I remember five years old. I'm like, Dad, do you want me to share something this morning? Or like, you know, I, I watched Veggie Tales. I got something good out of it. Can I share it on a Sunday? Like, this was me as a kid. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Dad, I think I'm going to, I think I got this, you know. But, but I, I've had to learn over and over and over again. You know, even as a pastor, you think, you think, and we're blessed to see so much growth at the ruins. Really, it's a crazy season. God's been so good. But can I tell you something? I don't think young people come because of my preaching. I'm just going to be honest. I think some of them enjoy it, but I don't think they come because I'm a good preacher. Or I'm not saying that I am. I'm just saying that it's not because of communication. But I think pastorship is everything that happens behind the scenes of the pulpits you're preaching from. It happens, when they, it happens when you're not on the pulpit. It happens when they need a lift at 2.30 in the morning and, and they've only decided in that moment that it would be a good idea to call their parents and you're like, I guess I'll bring you to the other side of the world tonight. It's fine. <laughs> but but it's happen, what, what's important before God is not so much the big tasks before Goliath, but it's bringing the bread and cheese to the brothers that he's asking you to send you. I think we ought to change the way we pray. God, I don't want to pray, open the door. I want to pray, Lord, help me be an instrument to build the door for people to walk through. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? My second point is this. Learn to welcome what others avoid. Learn to welcome what others avoid. Even when you're not invited, Learn to welcome what others are avoiding. Look, let's read that verse. He says, as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke to the same, and spoke, listen, the same words as before. Now look what Samuel makes his distinction. He says, but now David heard them. Now look how crazy, I might take my jacket off, but listen, the same words that filled the army of Israel with fear filled David with faith. What, they heard the same speech, they heard the same things, but yet what David hears is a faith-based mission, but Israel is filled with fear. Now, have you noticed that you could see the same problem as another individual and have two completely different reactions? 
You could see the same problem, and you're like, hey, we ought to do something about this, and yet be surrounded by such indifference that nobody cares to change anything. See, David is filled with faith while Israel is filled with fear. And I wonder, and you see, it's not that Goliath changes his speech around because David's here. David just happened to hear the same thing but felt a different thing. And you know, you know what a visionary is? A visionary is someone who sees the same problem as everybody else, but other than a problem, they see an opportunity. If you want to learn how to be a visionary, it's, you, don't, you don't need to go to seminars. You don't need to read a book. This is what you need to do. You need to see the problem that everybody else is seeing and choose to find solutions for what other people have deemed to be problematic. And, and I think this is why David is a man after God's own heart. Because he sees the challenge before them. But yet he's not intimidated. He's not frightened. He's not scared. He's not consumed by this idea of what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next. David sees this problem and looks at it like an opportunity for God to be glorified through him being accepting of the challenge of faith. You know, if, if you're not invited, begin to, begin to walk towards the opportunities that other people are avoiding. And, and you know, it's crazy because... Uh, this retreat, you know, we, we're in a dorm, a bunch of 24 guys in one dorm, okay? It was very small. I think the dorm boys helped me out. I think it was like this size, okay? Was it half of the sanctuary? 22 guys in a place like this, okay? Um, I was destroyed. <laughs> but it was just, you know, boys will be boys. And, and I, I saw this chip bag on Friday night on the floor, okay? And uh, I'm like, hmm. I'm like, this is kind of a mess. And I saw water bottles in the corner. And I kind of mentioned to a couple of guys, I'm like, hey, you guys ought to clean that up because if you want to get married one day, your wife's not going to take that. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm seeing this mess, and uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, John, we're, we're going to get to it. I'm like, okay, great. And would you believe two days later, I still saw that same chip bag. And I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, speak to me now. So I sit down. I'm literally observing that it's in the middle of the hallway. It's not even obscure. Like, you need to walk out of your way to avoid the chip bag, okay? And I'm sitting down. I'm literally like this. I'm like, okay. And I'm seeing boys, like, they're tap dancing, ballet dancing. They're, like, tipping, avoiding it. Because instead, instead of picking it up, they're actually tiptoeing and avoiding it. And, and I'm like, really? We're going to go there? And I kind of made, like a, like, a guilt trip kind of comment. Like, I guess I'm going to have to clean the chip bag. Hey, boys. And one kid's like, okay, John, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And they go pick up the bag. It's good. It's good. It's clean now. And I'm like, thank you. Okay. But it's amazing. You know what I've noticed? Sometimes it takes more effort to avoid what God is asking us to do than to actually do it. <laughs> Going to church on a Friday or on a Sunday, oh, I'm really busy. I'm in a busy season of my life. Bro, you've been saying that since 2012. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. You know what also I've learned? That, that you create what busy means in your life. You create, I, 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 you, you, sorry, you eat food. You eat food because you better believe it's important, Okay. Because it's a priority, you make time for that. And now I'm not saying stop eating and coming to church, okay? Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I realize that busyness is a definition that we choose to define by the choices that we make in our everyday life. I love when young people, and this has happened literally so many times in the past couple of months, they either leave a job or tell the person that is employing them, hey, if I can't come to church on a Friday night, and they'll actually say church, uh, <laughs> imagine trying to tell that to your boss, like, hey, I go to church on Friday night. Are you forced to? Like, and, and they'll leave a job because they can't go to church on a Friday night. And, and I find that so amazing because what is so easy to avoid now, 
You're choosing to make a difference by welcoming it in your life. If you want to take opportunities that God gives, begin to welcome his invitation instead of ignoring them. I know this is getting serious now, but begin to welcome them. And you know what I've realized? Now, I'm going to show this a bit of a difference. Me and my brother, okay? We're very different, kind of very the same, but we're also very different. And it's happened since we were kids that my parents would leave us alone at home, okay, for multiple hours. <laughs> awkward break, like, whoa, <laughs> that explains a lot. But, um, and so what would happen is me and David would have to cook something up for ourselves, okay? Now, you know what I've learned? That I, I read this quote, that necessity is the mother of invention. Oh, you guys know this. This is an intellectual congregation. Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Now, the difference between me and David is David literally learned how to cook by being left alone at home, okay? Now, I'm just being honest. I would rather starve than cook, okay? Uh, food is not an idol in my life. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, David, you're so idolatrous, making yourself food to eat. I'm, and my mom would be like, John, just warm up some pasta. I'm like, how dare you? Like, who do you think you are? No, I would never say that. But I learned that necessity creates the need to invent or to develop an ability to do. But you know what? You know what? I've, I've, I've learned to stay hungry. Sherry, are you there this morning? Sherry, can you give me what I've asked you? Thank you. Just come up. Thank you so much, okay? Now look at this. This is a limited edition jar of Nutella that Adriana's mom got me for Christmas, okay? It's not the only thing she got, but she got me Nutella. This is like giving drugs to an addict, okay? This is not good for me, okay? It's not good for my heart. But, and I, and it, as you can tell, it's empty, okay? <laughs> it's empty. And you know what, I've, you know what I've, I've, I've realized? That sometimes instead of learning or instead of welcoming the challenge of doing something new, I stick with what I already know because sticking with what I already know requires no growth. It requires no maturity. It requires no faith on God because I'm just sticking with what I know. And, and it still happens today where Adrian will ask me, like, hey, what would you eat today? I'm like, uh, uh, not, not much. She's like, John, what would you eat today? Uh, just two toasts with Nutella and two glasses of milk. That's it. It's not a big deal. And she's like, again? Again? And I wonder if God is asking you, I've continued to present you the same problem, but you're still sticking with Nutella instead of learning how to cook. And I feel like God is trying to say, you can either stay hungry or learn how to cook. Oh, my God. Thank you. That. He said, wow, okay? <laughs> But we can learn how to cook or always stay hungry. By avoiding what God has placed before us, we're choosing to stay hungry. And I'm asking you, how many times is God asking you, hey, could you learn how to warm up or boil the pasta? Hey, could you learn what it looks like to open the can yourself? And we should, like, no, God, it's good. We're going to stick with Nutella and white toast, okay? And, and yet we're confronted. We're confronted with this reality of eating or staying hungry instead of learning how to cook. And, and, you know, I think so many times we get stuck in this culture, you know, when, when a tragedy happens, what do we say? What do we say? Hashtag pray for. Just an excuse to drink water. But, you know, like a tragedy happened in Paris and the hashtag came out, pray for Paris, right? Or a tragedy happens in London, pray for London. Or a tragedy happens in Syria, pray for Syria. And you know what's funny? That oftentimes as a church, we can become guilty of praying for things that we're not asking God to be a part of the solution for what we're praying for. <laughs> 
I'll say that again. As a church, we shouldn't just have to pray and divorce prayer without action. But when we pray for something, we ought to begin to ask God how we could be used to enter into what other people are avoiding. We need to learn how to enter. I don't want to develop another hashtag, pray for, pray for. And to be honest, I forget to pray. I forget to, it's like, it becomes so like instinctive for us. We get desensitized to tragedy because it happens so often. And we just, we, we, you know, we, we bottle cap it and we say, just pray for this. No, sometimes God is asking us to be the resource for which other people are praying for. Stop avoiding, stop avoiding what God is asking you to welcome into. And this is my last point. Know how to listen and turn away. If you want to build doors, if you want to open opportunities that God is asking, learn how to listen. Look, look, how, look how crucial this is. Now, we'll read from verse 28. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep? This is interesting. He makes his distinction as few sheep in the wilderness. And look what he says. He says, I know your presumptions and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? <laughs> what are you complaining about now? He says, was it not just a word? And look what David does. This might be the most spiritual thing God is asking you to do today. He turned away from him and towards another. He turned away. You know what's interesting? That, that Eliab begins attacking David personally. Look what he says. He, he makes two comments. He, he comments on, his, on the fact that he's actually a shepherd. He's actually a carer of sheep. And he's basically belittling him. He's like, what do, you, what do you think you're doing here? You're not qualified to be here. You're not meant to be here. This is not your domain. Go back and take care of the sheep that daddy asked you to stay behind with. So he attacks his ability. And then he attacks his intention. And you know, what's, you know what the irony of the situation is? That Eliab sees, he's like, I know your heart. I know it's evil. I know it's malicious. I know you're not here for the right reasons. This is what his older brother is saying to David. I love, he says, I, please catch this. He says, I know the presumptions of your heart. You know what the irony is? That God chose David instead of Eliab because David was a man according to the heart of God. And yet David is being told by his older brother, someone that's meant to protect him, say, hey, Dave, I know your heart. You're not actually good. And God is over there. He's like, actually, Eliab, that's the reason why I chose him and not you. But anyway, stay there. You're going to watch the fight. David's about to win. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I, 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 re I read this, and I it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And look how, and I pray that we don't have an Eliab spirit in our church. I pray that we don't look at people and begin to belittle them. And look how interesting it is. Eliab attacks David personally. He takes a personal shot at David. He says, hey, why aren't you, aren't you, aren't you the sheep guy? Well, go back to doing sheep. You're not supposed to be here. And you know what I've learned? You know what I've learned? That if you don't know why God has called you, you'll allow other people to tell you why he's called you. If, you're, if you don't have a conviction in your heart that God has asked you to be in this place for such a moment like this, for such a time like this, for a season like this, you will begin to have other people tell you what God is trying to convince you of. Look, he says, I know the presumptions of your heart. And you know, look at David's response. David's irritated. 
Have you ever been irritated with somebody? He's irritated now. And my mom just coughed, okay. <laughs> uh, David is irritated. And you know how we know he's irritated? Because he says, what? No. <laughs> this is how I read it in my mind. David's not like, what now? No, he's like, what now? I literally, he says, I just said a word. I just said one thing. I'm just here, I'm here the same as you. And, and you know what that shows? That Eliab developed a reputation for irritating, for accusing David. Eliab, he got a reputation for constantly accusing the things that David would do. And so what happens is, David, he hears what he says, but he turns away. And, I, and I'll tell you why it's important to learn how to turn away. Because if you never turn away, then you'll end up getting convinced by what the other person is telling you about who God actually says you are. If David would have stayed in that conversation, if David would have lingered there a little bit longer, I wonder if his older brother would have been able to convince him that he was supposed to be leading that fight. And yet David, look at the irony. The man who God calls according to his heart is in the process of trying to be rejected by the man that God has rejected. And I'm asking, do you know how to listen but how to turn away? He listens. And, it's, and why it's important to listen is because you're not always right. Friday night we spoke, uh, we had a talk called A Secret Weapon called Teachability. And there's this verse in Proverbs that says, a stupid person thinks he's always right, but a wise man seeks counsel. So David listens because he knows that there's a good chance he's going to, there is a chance, there is a probability he'll be wrong. But he's able to listen and he's able to turn away. Without invitation, David was able to listen and, and turn away. And I'm, and I'm about to... I'm about to finish, but I think that, that, being, that ministering, serving God can often be misinterpreted by people who aren't called by the same God. And, and I'll correct that because David, listen, he's, he's being accused of something that is not an accurate accusation by all means. But, you know, wasn't Jesus also accused of the same kind of things? Wouldn't men try and, and caption the reason for which Jesus was doing the things? Jesus, this is God, okay? And people would say, the Pharisees said, hey, I think this guy's possessed by a demon. You're speaking to God, okay? Hey, I, yeah, this guy's definitely possessed by a demon. And, and, and this is God himself. You know, Jesus developed a bad reputation because he, was, he would associate with the marginalized, with the uninvited, with the people that nobody would ever ask or call upon. And, and this is my, my last point. It's my conclusion this morning. But you have received an invitation through association. You've received an invitation through who you've decided to associate. And I remember the first year that I came back from Bible school. I, uh, we, it was a secret. No one knew that we were dating. And uh, we had to go to a wedding that Adriana was invited to. And Adriana was invited to this wedding, and I wasn't. And, uh, and she was going to put me down as her plus one. But we both knew these people. And I'm like, babe, I'm like, I actually, I think I don't want to go to this wedding. She's like, no, you should come. It's going to be the first time people see us in public. I'm like, babe, these people don't want me there. <laughs> and so, like, I was thinking of how awkward it would be to show up at that wedding and be like, hey, this is the guy you didn't actually invite. I'm still here. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I guess we're not as close as we thought we were. <laughs> Have you ever not been invited to a wedding? Amen, okay. Uh, that you thought you were going to be invited? Anyway, personal event. It's okay. And so I'm like, Adri, I don't, I don't think that I, I should go to this. And she's like, no. She's like, you should go 
because I'm going. And, and it kind of spoke to me. Because although I was not invited personally, although I could not enter there, I was invited through the person that I associated myself with, which was Adriana. And I walk into that wedding, I'm dressing, I'm like, I'm going to look better than the groom today. And you know, I'm walking in, and I'm like, hey. And Adriana didn't say that I was the plus one. And I, I could tell they were kind of startled, like, what are, you, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm here with my girlfriend, Adriana. <laughs> and they're looking like, what? They're like, you guys are thinking? I'm like, now we are. And, and we, walked through, we walked through that wedding. And I was invited, not because of who I was, but because I associated myself with. And guess what? You might feel like everyone's rejecting you. You might feel like you've been marginalized and left out and ignored. But guess what? You are invited into God's plan. You are invited into God's will by the association you have through his son, Jesus. Can we just stand? We're going to pray. Let's just stand. We're going to pray. We're going to conclude this service. And I just want to welcome you guys. Maybe you felt like you've gone through periods of your life where you've been ignored, when you've been, you know, cast aside, when everyone is at the battle that people forgot you were supposed to be a part of. I want to encourage you this morning. You've been invited through the association of who Jesus is. You know, Paul tells Timothy that it is not, it's, Paul tells Titus, he says, it's God's will that no man shall perish, but that everyone will come to the knowledge saving work of Christ. And I want to encourage you this morning. You can enter into the kingdom of heaven. You can enter into the plan that God has for your life by associating yourself, not with yourself, but with Jesus. We're going to sing this song. I'm just going to pray. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you feel like you've spent some time left alone. Maybe you feel like you've spent some moments in your life where people have just forgotten that you're around. I want to encourage you this morning that while you were dead in your sins, while there was nothing you could do to merit the favor of God, God sent his son while you were enemies with him so that he can invite you to the party that we're all invited to. I'm just going to ask every eye closed. God, we thank you so much for what you've done in this place. Lord, thank you because through your son Jesus, we all receive an invitation of no, and it's not important where we come from. It matters not what we've done, but we can enter into this newness of life through Jesus. God, I pray for people that are stuck in guilt, that are stuck in shame, that feel like they're disqualified from entering what you've called them to enter because of what they've done. Lord, thank you because your word tells us that we do not know the depth, we don't know the height of your love, and that nothing we could do can separate us from the love that you have for us, oh God. Lord, I pray that if there's someone this morning that feels like you're knocking at the door of their heart and that you're inviting them into the plan that you have for them, God, I pray that you would soften our hearts, soften our understanding to be taught by you, oh God. Let's sing this song. I believe.